on 98FM and online. This is Phoenix FM. This is Julian Dix. You're listening to the West End Way on Phoenix FM. <laughs> And welcome to another edition of the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an ex-WHU employee. Tonight we have a very special guest in the studio, a man who needs no introduction. So let's just say the Terminator is back in town and we're going to be talking to him about all things West Ham over the next hour, which includes questions from our collective followers on social media. Then, for some pre-recorded bonus content, we'll be sitting down with undefeated cruiserweight boxer and big West Ham fan, Mark Little. Tonight promises to be a cracker, so don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you keeping, mate? You well? I'm very well, thank you. Good stuff, good stuff. A lot has changed since you were last here. Um, at the time, you recently left West Ham as a coach, and now you find yourself back in management. Um, and we'll come to that a little bit later on. But for now, what do you make of West Ham season so far? Um, see, it didn't start off too good. Um, but, like I said, for me, it's, it is just West Ham. Like I said, you, you beat Arsenal. You lose to Bournemouth. You lose to Wimbledon, <laughs> you lose to Wolves, then you go and draw with Liverpool and mm. draw with Palace. Mm. It's, it hasn't changed since, since I was a player. It's still the West Ham way, isn't it? It is, but the thing is, listen, you're a West Ham fan, you, you accept these things. Um, if you can perform against the, the, the better sides, and uh, that's, that's a bonus. Mm. Accepted and to be expected, I think is the right phrase. Um, X. It was Palace on Saturday. We both predicted a one-all draw last week and I somehow went one further and predicted a one-all draw and the goal scorer and the method of scoring, which is probably the first time in my life. And for those asking, no, I didn't have a few quid on it, unfortunately. Um, I think we both would have taken a draw before the game. We got a draw, but was you happy with the performance? I was happy with the first half performance. It was really, I know, to go on an old cliche, but it was a game of two halves. The first half, we were absolutely superb. Well, I don't know, superb was probably a bit strong, but we were good in the first half. I thought we could have um, won the game quite easily. And then for some reason, the second half, we just seemed to sit back and invite pressure. And inevitably, they got the equaliser. In the end, we were lucky to get a point, I think. Mm, yeah. And I, they could have had a man sent off as well. So you could argue that it might have been different had that man been sent off but we were holding on towards the end yeah I'll tell you what, what we talk about so much on this show Julian is, is the frustration of consistency because it's like you say and, and, and I don't know if I have too much belief in the group of players that we've got maybe I do but I look at it and I think you know we can go out and we can get results against big clubs and put on fantastic performances and then I don't know it's almost like there's a level of complacency when we step out against a lesser side you've played the game at the highest level and you've no doubt been part of games that we've lost and should have won mm -hmm. when you look at that and you look at West Ham's form at the moment is it are we, being, are we being too critical of them on this show when we say they should be more consistent week in week out or does it just happen in football well it, it does happen in football but I I'm, I'm tend to agree with you I think players should be more consistent um, listen we all have bad games we all make mistakes there's no excuses not to work hard and do the basics right I mean that's what I tell my players mm. so we all have bad games um, even the best players in the world have bad games but there's, like I said there's no excuses not, not to work hard 
and for me football is like 90% of hard work mm, yeah for sure um, it, it's, it's a game that left us and leaves us 10th in the league at the moment after 26 games I mean with the group of players that we've got do you think we are where we should be in terms of league standings or do you think we're underachieving or, or overachieving I didn't have the best of starts to the to the season so obviously that always puts you on like when you're in the bottom two bottom three it always makes it more difficult um, but then obviously they strung some results together I mean they have some fantastic players like Philippe Anderson I think I've, I've, listen I haven't got Sky so I only watch matches a day so um, <laughs> I, I, obviously I watched him and obviously some of the players were, were there when, when I was there um, I think if if you you see West Ham if you would have said like they were eight for ninth, then you'd go, yep, yeah, I think that's where they are. But so, like, listen, tenth is, is like I said, it's only one place from ninth, so it's not, mm. it's not too bad. Mm -hmm. Fair comment. One of the players that is um, still there and um, was there um, during your time at the club and was one of the players that, well, probably one of the last players that you and staff did bring to the club is an out of it. Obviously, it's been well um, stated what's been happening with him recently. Um, is that the sort of thing that you could see coming from him does it surprise you that this sort of incident has come up with him you know wanting to seek a move perhaps looking for more money performances being affected a little bit by off the field things? well listen you can either blame the, the, the player or you can blame the agent mm, um, yeah whether Marco true. wanted to move I don't know I think for me the agents have too much influence on players now yeah mm. um, when I was a player um, I had my agent and if I wanted to do something then I would tell her I wouldn't expect her to do things be on my back or, or, or things like that so for me the, the agent works for the player so if mm. the player don't want to move then what's the point in in putting his name mm. um, it's not as a case that they need money anymore no, you know what I mean from maybe 100 grand a week to 120 grand a week but mm. for me that's, that's irrelevant it does kind of beg the, beg the question though you know, was he doing it behind his back or is only instructing him to, to go out and, and get an offer? I mean, I'm, I'm just interested to get your kind of perspective on, do you think it's a case of you understand why a player would want to leave, but it comes down to how you handle it? Because I think we're all in agreement he hasn't handled it very well. No, I don't, I don't see why a player would leave West Ham to go to China. Mm, no. mm. It can't be the quality of football, no disrespect to, to the leagues over there. No, you're right. But you're playing in one of the, the best leagues in the world. Um, most televised league in the world so if you want to be on the stage that's, that's surely that's the, the place to be so never as a player did you dream of winning trophies in China then Julian when you set out no, like I, I, was, I was offered to go to South Korea and back then it was quite a few quid um, mm. but for me it was it was never a question no never a question would would um what an outfitch did if you were playing you know say you were left back for the team and he's doing that would it affect the team's performance do you no. think no 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 wouldn't i mean at the end of the day they're professional footballers mm. they have a job to do they have their own job to do mm. um you see it might affect some people but be, me being a, a player so we have we have people at uh, West Ham when I was there that, that wanted moves and, and stuff like that but look, it's that's their career that's up to them um, it didn't affect me as a person or a player mm -hmm. I had to quickly jump back, back to your offer from South Korea um, which I'm not sure was overly public knowledge to be honest no, with you I, I didn't know, know that, that came that, about that. how old was you when that happened because you retired at 29 I retired at 29 it was um, basically just after I come back from from Liverpool 
Um, it wasn't it wasn't common knowledge. Um, so <laughs> I said my agent said like a team in South Korea come in. I went, listen, not even interested. So would it have been a lot more money um, at the time? <sighs> it was it was obviously it was double what I was on in West Ham. Really? Wow. Yeah. The thing is for me, again, if you're playing. Listen, you're playing in the, mm. the best league in the world. In my opinion, yeah. playing in the best league in the world against some of the best teams in the world. So, mm. uh, so for me, the Premiership's only the place to be. Mm. Mm. So, when you look at the situation at West Ham, which is, has obviously been a difficult one for Pellegrini, the owners, um, and if what you're saying is right, and, and, I, and, I, and I buy into that, probably not the players, but certainly two parties at West Ham, it's been a struggle for. If you put yourself in that situation from a managerial perspective, how would you handle that situation with, with a player that so vocally wanted to leave West Ham for whatever reason? Would you well, just kind we, of shine the, the door? We had it with Dimmy. Yes, mm. yeah. We had it with Dimmy. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Dimmy was, he was a great lad. He was, but again, like, like you said earlier, he handled it the wrong way. Mm. If, if you go in, for me, if you, like with Dimmy, if he went into Slab and said, look, I need to go back home, mm. Slab would have helped him. Mm. But you can't turn around and go, oh, I don't want to play for the club no more. Because it's not, you're just not alienating the players, you're alienating all your fans mm. that love you really. Mm. I mean, they loved him. Yeah. He was such a good player for West Ham. Mm. And all of a sudden, it changed like that in a day. Mm. Um, because like we said to Slap, you have to go public with this. Mm. Because it's not right. And did it really affect the players in that? Yeah, I was going to ask the same question. Again, it don't really affect the players. Mm. Um, Again, he was. He ended up training with the 23s, yeah. so he wasn't at the training ground we were at. Mm. Um, but he'd come in, listen, the players would shake his hands and, and things like that. So in this football, things happen, mm. silly things happen. Um, but it's just a part and parcel of it, and you have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm, you do. And it's never an easy situation from a fan's point of view because it's always players that you emotionally find yourself attached well, to. It's always the best players unfortunately because <laughs> yeah, they're the ones that get the interest. They're so. the ones that deliver. That's yeah. very true. Um, one player that you could argue hasn't delivered and hasn't lived up to what he achieved at say Man United is Javier Hernandez and I think it's been fair to say a difficult time for him since he's been at West Ham. I mean it has and I remember, I remember speaking to, to Slab in, in the coaches about him listen he's been a fantastic player but mm. he's been at Man United. Mm. Bayern Munich, um, yeah, Real Madrid. They're fantastic clubs. Mm. When you come to West Ham, this is, for me, it's a fantastic club. But you have to work harder. Mm, mm, you have to work harder to get the ball, to, to win games. You have to work harder. Mm. Listen, there's no doubt in his ability. Mm. Um, but you have to have a work rate that goes with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's just, for me, that's just what he's he's lacked on at West Ham. And I think sometimes, particularly under the recent manager, the formation possibly hasn't been ideal for him either as a 4-5-1, as a lone forward. Hasn't got the physique possibly for that role. Oh, but the thing is, he's, he's come in and said he, he, he wants to play a lone striker oh, and things like that. So, oh, okay. again, but so for me, formation don't win games. Players mm, win games. Yeah. So it's not a case of, like, oh yeah, I want I want to be a number up there on my own, or I want to play with a two. Listen, you're a player. 
You mm. get told what to do. Yeah. You get told your formations. Mm. It's not what's best for you. It's what's best for the club. Mm -hmm. And listen, if you're that good a player, then you can play up there as a lone strike or you can play up there as a two. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. And, and what's evident with that statement as well is when you look at some of the games we've won this season, I'm not sure there's been a consistent formation that's won all of those games. No, you know, right. we've won with three in midfield. We've played a 4-4-2. We've had one up front. So it does back that point up. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, in terms of the new manager, were you surprised by his appointment or could you see why, why they went for Pellegrini? Um, can I see why they went for him? No, not really. Um, he's been at Man City, obviously won the Premiership there and things like that. Mm. But obviously he's, he's got good credentials, so... Um, yeah. But listen, only time will tell. Yeah, that's right. Mm, very true. How surprised were you that the owners pumped in over £100 million into this football club? I was very surprised because <laughs> when we were there, we, we didn't get that kind of money. Um, no, but no. listen, they, I think it was a wake-up call. I mm. think they had mm. to, to put money into the, into the team, into the club, um, because they said when we moved from Upton Park to, to the Olympic Stadium, they would play money in. Um, mm. And... Right, they, they played some in, but they didn't play enough in when, when Slab was there. Mm. So they had to back the next manager, they had to put their money where their mouth is. Mm. Um, and they've done that, I mean, like I said, they've chucked in over 100 million. Mm. So. Was there a cheeky little text exchange with Slab? Is it to say, can you believe this? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, there was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was his response clean enough for live radio? Uh, listen, it's, it's football's, football's football. Listen, managers come, managers go. Um, that's, mm. listen, that's the nature of the game. Um, listen, it'd been great to, to still be at West Ham, of course it was, but so that's the way it is. I'm going to ask a really stupid question now, and, and I'm going to be respectful because I know you're in employment currently, but how much do you personally miss being at West Ham and being a part of the club? Listen, I, for me, I was, I was there for 11 years as a player. Um, I have a, a great rapport with, with the supporters, uh, the great rapport with the, fan, uh, with the players when I was there as a coach. Um, it's, it's a club that I love. Um, so for me, it, when when obviously Slab got the sack, I knew I was I was next in line. Um, and yeah, it was heart wrenching. Of course, it was because mm. I remember see the last game at Upton Park against Man United. Mm. And, I mean, that was uh, mm. that was heart wrenching. Well, you'll, yeah. take, you'll take that to your grave with you. I of think course. we all will. Yeah. yeah. And but when you you're at a club that you love and you want to stay. Mm. And, but as I said, it's the nature of the game. It's the managers come, managers go. Mm. And usually when the manager goes, the, the coaching staff go with him. Mm. It's a harsh reality of the game, isn't it? That's it for sure. It certainly is. Um, so when you were there, uh, Declan Rice was one of the first bloody by Slav and, you, and yourself at um, an early age. And we've seen Dean Garner came into the team this, Brady, this yeah. season as well. Yeah. Um, were those the two that you would have predicted would have this impact? Or was there any others that perhaps haven't? Well, Declan was was a good player. I mean, he trained with us quite a bit. And he's, um, for me, when he, he was, he's an old style for me, I'd say an all-star centre-back mm. that he would always get tight, he'd put his head where it, where it could get kicked and yeah. just smash the ball out the ground if it needs it. Mm. Um, but he can also play, he can also get the ball down. As you can see, when they stick him into midfield, he can also play football. Mm. He's, a, he's a, an exceptional talent and he'll have a, he'll have a great career. In your um, mind, is he a centre-half or a centre-midfielder? For me, I like him as a centre-back. 
You do, Eggs, um, as well, don't you? I always think I like he's better his, there. I yeah. like him as a centre-back. Um, the other one, Grady. Mm. Obviously, I watched him a number of times in the under-23s, mm. and he's got great feet on him. The only thing for me that let him down back then was, was his work rate, okay. defensively. Um, so hopefully he's... Uh, He's got that into his game, mm, but he's mm. another one that'll have a very good career. Yeah. Um, and the other one I liked when I was there was Marcus Brown. Oh, did you? I yeah. don't know if Marcus is still there or. He's on loan at Oxford. He's, he's doing pretty well. well. I like there, Marcus. Yeah. He, he had um, he had a bad attitude in a good way. I mean, mm. he didn't care who he kicked or who he argued <laughs> with. He was he was a good lad. I, I liked him. Mm. And so that sounded familiar then when he started yeah. saying that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, like I said, I would. Took a good penalty. For me, I would have liked him to obviously further his career but yeah. sometimes you have to take a step back to go forward so hopefully that's uh, that will happen to him An another youth player I thought of actually and again a debut was given by you and Slavin Slav's first game I think was a uh, Reese Oxford yeah. um, it hasn't progressed since then really uh, can you explain why or are you as um, baffled as us as to why it hasn't Reese was uh, again he, had, he was a fantastic talent um, again I used to watch him in the 23s and it was so easy for him. It was like a, mm. like going out and a kickabout with his mates in the park. Mm. You know what I mean? It was like <laughs> near six foot four, six foot five, mm. jumped like nine foot. Um, it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very comfortable on the ball, but that that was too easy for him. Mm. So he had he had to go out on loan. Um, again, obviously going out on loan, he obviously went to Reading, didn't he? Yeah. he went to Gladbach, mm. and but for me, it was not. It was just his, his attitude. Not, I don't mean in a horrible way. I mean, like, mm. he would just get through games mm. instead of doing something to go, right, I remember Reese Oxford. You know mm. what I mean? He, yeah. he, for me, he was that good that he, yeah. he, could have a, he could have a very, very good career. Mm. Um, but some people just do enough to get through games. I mean, I played with people like that. Yeah. Was offering him a 20 grand a week contract young a factor? Or... Yes, probably, but mm. they they do it to most kids now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, whether mm. it's twenty grand, web, whether you got an eighteen-year-old kid on five grand, mm. I mean, you got an eight-year-old kid on five grand a yeah, week. It's, yeah. it's still a vast <laughs> amount of money. Very so, true. but Reese was a he was a good prospect, and mm. he listen, he, he still could be because he's mm. obviously he's not that old. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it has to come from within mm, mm, it's mm. not all about somebody you, you give him 20 grand a week you spoil him but sometimes you have to go he has to take a look at himself and go mm. yeah, listen I want to crack on mm. yeah very true um, and I, I don't think this is a fair comparison really but uh, you know when you look at the likes of Ravel Morrison you know many people have said all the talent in the world but if the attitude ain't right whether it's a bad attitude or a lazy attitude yep. you know it's that famous question in football you know what's more important attitude or ability mm. and you know if you haven't got the attitude then you, you can say Ravel Morrison's prime example of that. Well, I mean, you ain't gonna work. I, I think I'm correct that he actually cleaned your boots when he broke through Frank Lampard. Yeah, Frank, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you'd know better than me, but apparently when he first came in, obviously he had the talent, but it wasn't as exceptional as his career then turned out to be. It was hard work that got him to the top of his very game. Obviously he had a basic of real quality, but the hard work is what took him to that. His dad was the same apparently. Level. Yeah. yeah, but he was a crap boot cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, little Frank, he, he would, we would be in about half past nine and we'd be out 
just smacking balls against the wall because I used to go in early. Yeah. We'd be the last to finish in training. I mean, he used to work his socks mm -hmm. off um, mm -hmm. because obviously with his dad there, there's a bit more pressure on him than, yeah. than, than most kids. Mm. Um, and he come into the West Ham side and he was going through like a bit of a bad patch. Um, but Harry stuck with him and he got through that. Mm. Listen, I mean, you look at, look at Frank now, what a career he's had. Yeah, amazing. Um, Phenomenal. He has. I mean, he's, like you said, he's a record goal scorer and mm. I mean, he's been a fantastic player. Mm. I saw him mention on BT Sports actually about cleaning your boots. I don't know if you've you seen the episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't admit to that. He said you were scary. No? <laughs> I was going to say. Because maybe it was a combination of him being crap and you being scary. I'm surprised he had the bottle to be crap, to be honest with <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> How funny. I mean, you, you've, you've played the game. Uh, at the top level, you've coached, you've managed. So when you talk about youth development and players coming through the system, what advice would you give to youngsters? When I, when I go and do like coaching for, for youth teams and things like people ask me questions. And for me, like you said, you have to have a work rate mm -hmm. because you could have all the ability in the world. If you haven't got any work rate, then you, it's never going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. You look at people, like Messi, I mean, he, he work, he's another one, works mm. his socks off, mm -hmm. right? One of the best players in the world, but he still works his socks off. Mm. Ronaldo, at times, does exactly the same. Um, so, yeah, listen, you, you obviously you have to have some ability, but mm. for me, work rate and, and attitude is, is more important. Mm. But it's no coincidence. I mean, you look at the, the, the teams that are achieving at the top level now, they, they have both of those ingredients, don't they? You know, you look at the Man Cities, the Barcelonas, wherever they are, they aren't just incredibly gifted players. They all work very work hard, hard for each other yeah, as well. Yeah. So it's no, I suppose in some respects, no science to it, is it? No. You know, and buy good players and those players have to work hard. Yeah. You get the two, you achieve good things. And as a fan, you always are prepared to forgive a player if you see them working hard and perhaps the ability's not there, but mm. the other way round and it's un it's unforgivable. So, yeah, yeah it shows, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, um, so a lot, a lot has been said about our kind of history of injuries at, at the club. So yourself have had some serious injuries during the time. Um, historically, it seems to be something that's almost gone throughout our history. Really, key players being injured regularly. Do you have an explanation for why this happens? Is it just coincidence? Just unlucky. Is it? Just yeah. unlucky. I mean, mm. I, so I fell off the pitch at um, Ashton Gate when half mm. of my foot went off. I've never. Um, there was like six inches from the pitch mm. to the running track. It's just yeah. one of them things. Yeah. Um, but going back when I was there with Slab and, mm. and things like that, people were, were blaming the training ground, yeah. like Chad Relief. Mm. Mm. Well, they had a crap. Mm. Really? Like, it, yeah. Yeah, but how can you blame a pitch this absolutely fantastic? Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> in, as soon as we went to Rush Green, players were getting injured as well. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of them things. Players pick up injuries mm. and unfortunately, people try to find excuses mm. in, in like, oh, the pitch is not good enough or the pitch is too soft or the mm. pitch is too wide or the boots ain't good enough anymore mm. or, or this. For me, yeah. it's just unlucky. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a really interesting point because we have had this debate on this show before. Yeah. And and the one point, well, the one question I was going to ask you is do you think players are wrapped up in cotton wool too much when it comes to injuries and overprotected? They, they are a little bit nowadays, but obviously the, the sports science is a lot better from... Yeah. When I was a 
a player. Mm. We, had, we had Rob Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> and a bottle of whiskey. Well, yeah. <laughs> we had Rob Jenkins, who was our physio, and he would be... <laughs> he we had him on the show, Rob was absolutely fantastic. Um, <laughs> he loved the drink, and that was it. But again, then we had John Green, who John Green was, incre- like I said to you before, incredible. Mm. Um, mm. If it wasn't for him and, and John King, I don't think I would have ever played again. So... Over the years, it's got better and better, and obviously they learn things. Listen, I don't agree with it all. Mm-hmm. I used to have arguments with the, the the staff there, and because people players would come in, go, oh, it's a little bit sore. I don't train. For mm-hmm. me, Rob Jenkins, <laughs> like get out there. <laughs> I don't want you in here, and that was it. So some things change, yeah. like everything in football. Mm-hmm. A lot's changed. Mm-hmm. How is your knee now? Is it? Can you to participate much in the training? Oh, you can't play in the next game. No, no I was going to say, yeah, we need a left back. I mean, I struggle to walk now. Is it that bad? Yeah, yeah, is that bad? And stairs yeah. are obviously probably your your worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm better going upstairs now. I'm going down. Depends how much about the drink. Yeah, I mean. On tablets for for years, but listen, at the end of the day, people go, "Would you would you change anything?" No, of course I wouldn't mm-hmm. change anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking about injuries and, and injured players. One signing that we made in the summer was Jack Wilshire, which I think kind of divided opinion amongst yeah. the fans because you know he's still young. Um, he's a great player on his day. He's played Champions League. He's represented his country. He's mm-hmm. played for one of the best teams domestically in the Premier League. But he's been riddled with injuries. And I think, you know, when his contract expired, he was available for quite a lot of money. The question I'm going to ask you is, if Pellegrini at the time, say he was a coach at the club still, and Pellegrini came to you and he said, look, I've got the opportunity to bring Jack Wilshire here, would you have said, go and do it? Or would you have advised him against it? Well, we had the opportunity when Slab was there. Is that right? Really? Wow. We were, we were, we were offered him and Slab asked me, and I said, I wouldn't. Because Very interesting. He's, all right, it's an, it is what it is. He's injury prone. There's, there's been a few over the years, like your Kieran Dyers and people like that. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunately is is one of the things. And I think as as a manager, you you would like to think that you could change him, and maybe he could play maybe 20 games a season or 25 games a season because listen there's, there's no doubt in his ability he's a fantastic player mm. and like you said play Champions League and, and mm. stuff like that so mm. but that that was that was my uh, first initial take with with Slab mm. we're going to take a very short break now and after this it's going to be more from Julian
You've had a couple of conversations with Slavin since um, leaving the club. Are you in regular contact with him and how's he getting on at the moment? Yeah, I still speak to Slav. Um, obviously, he's in Saudi. Um, he had a difficult start mm. over there. Um, but the last four or five games, he's won. So, obviously, I, I speak to him. I look out for his results as well. So, um, I think the other day, they, they drew nil-nil with fifth in the league. Um, I think they beat six in the league, two-nil. Um, he's won a couple of cup games that they've won, so he's uh, <laughs> he's in a better position than he was when he yeah. went over there. So, is there an option for you to go out there with him? Or? It's not, obviously, I've spoke to Slav, and it's whether I want to go there or not is another thing, um, mm. because I've heard he's a dry country and you can't have any alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so, <coughs> I think I might die over there. But, um, but no, listen, I mean, I've, obviously, I still speak to him. I'm mm. still still uh, friends with Slav. What, what would you say, it's probably a difficult question, but what would you say is the team equivalent in the Premier League to who he's in charge of now? Uh, to be honest, I haven't, I haven't seen him play. Um, no. I haven't seen him play, so, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. Do you <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, because Julian said they're winning, so oh, probably yeah, not. <laughs> Can you ever see him managing in England again? Can he see himself? Yeah, 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 he has that desire, yeah. Does he? Yeah, he has that desire. Oh, good luck um, Obviously, leaving West Ham, um, I think it took his toll on him towards the end. Um, he obviously needed a break. I think he was out of it for about a year, and then obviously he got his zest back, and he, he went to Saudi. Um, so, yeah, I can, I can see him managing again in England. Mm, it'll be good to have him mm. back. Yeah, it? good luck to him. Uh, get the reception he deserves from the West Ham fans. Mm. Um, we've talked kind of about sort of excuses that have been made in football with the training ground and stuff. Another excuse that's kind of thrown up with the new stadium is the fact that it, it's green around the edge of the pitch. So when players look to switch the ball, they find it hard to see the touchline. Is that an excuse that you would buy or is that just another one of these? Um, I wouldn't say it, it's an excuse because it... it <laughs> When you're standing on this side of the pitch, mm. you struggle to see the line on the other side. Yeah. 
but for me like when we were there they, they were going to try and get it claret yeah, right yeah, the outside just yeah. try to it's coming soon yeah, in about well, they should have had yeah. it when Slab was there everything's coming too late yeah Champions League qualification on the back of it but yeah I think that, that was that was the uh, question Slab put to him there and mm. it was said no it's not going to happen um, but again like we said you can you can make excuses for everything yeah because i always think it must be the same for the opposition obviously of course but, it is yeah. but yeah so of course but then is. i guess if you're playing in those circumstances every single week it might start to mm. well apparently some of the players have said that it's affected them but it's like julian said as well you're probably not averse to the odd excuse being used by a player and maybe that's one of them i don't yeah. know it's difficult until yeah. you're in there playing it's uh it's tough but then again obviously when we play so well as we often have done in that stadium it's like well does it is it a problem or is it not you know so no it's a a difficult one um uh, julian you played in your fair uh fair amount of fa cup games and league cup games over the years and you know you'd have been part of some giant killings the wrong way Mm -hmm. um we saw another one this year me and x were there wimbledon away grim night mate that wasn't it wasn't great no why, why does this always seem to happen at West Ham or am I just ignoring the fact that it probably happens to everyone and I'll take it more to it does. I Simmons. think it happens to, to a lot of clubs um, all right, maybe not your Man City's or your Liverpool's mm-hmm. but the, the clubs like your, your, your West Ham's in your Palace and, and teams like that it's always happened to West Ham <laughs> I mean I remember games that we played in like Wrexham and yeah. um, maybe Stockport, Northampton, teams like that. And I remember playing for Birmingham against Altrincham and they beat us 2-1 at St Andrews. At St Andrews? Yeah, right. St Andrews. Um, it happens. It's not, obviously, it's not nice when it happens. Um, but like you said, it, it could be a bit of complacency. Mm. Teams yeah. going out, they're going, right, hang on a minute look at our players for theirs or we should be winning these games and maybe not put the effort in they they should mm. um, so I'm not saying every player does that because like I said when I played I, I put the same effort as I did in pre-season friendlies to, to playing against Man United um, mm. but it happens it's not nice when it, it always seems to happen in West Ham, <laughs> yeah. but it's not. It's, obviously, it's not nice when it happens, but no. it does. No, I mean from a neutral's perspective, that's why the FA Cup is as beautiful as yeah. it is, I suppose. Yeah. But it's just not nice when you're sitting there no, in Wimbledon exactly. in the pouring down rain, yeah. missing your last train because you've just been knocked out four two to Wimbledon away. That's yeah. right. But for me, you if like, listen, West Ham are not going to win the Premiership, so the oh. FA Cup could be an opportunity. So if you're going to do it, then put your strongest teammate, yeah, and go for it. I can't agree with you more on that. Yeah. How frustrated if we we've had some real frustrating conversations around that point. Mm-hmm. And just just quickly, I'll give you one one prime example. Uh, we went to the quarterfinals of the League Cup to Arsenal away, yeah, didn't I think we? It was and uh, it was under David Moyes, mm. and uh, and he fielded what I thought was a weaker side, but there was also youth players in there that arguably shouldn't have been. I think the ones that were in there were played out of position. Mm. But the frustrating thing about that was, not just looking at it thinking this is a quarter-final of a cup competition that we've never won, mm. but we're also playing against an Arsenal side mm. that played a weaker side. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, yes, it's a way to Arsenal, not an easy game, but if they're playing a weaker side, why don't we play our best? And then we're 90 minutes away from a two-legged, semi-final yeah. I, I, the mind boggles for me no, it does for me as well so mm. um, so recently the East Stand's now going to be named the Billy Bond Stand um, which is brilliant long overdue for him to get that recognition mm. and Harry Redknapp is now a celebrity following his stint in the um, in the jungle <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what are they like to play um, for um, you know, as a player when they're the manager and um, if you could play for one of them again which one would it be um, I mean, I have my run-ins with Billy. Um, 
probably every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> and obviously, I, I mean, I still speak to Bill. Um, and he, he just, like, when I do, he's like, he's like with two peas in the pod. Mm, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. Both, we both want to win, but Billy was a fitness fanatic mm. and I wasn't. Yeah. I used to hate running. <laughs> Billy never used to like that. And um, But for me, Billy was one of them managers that you only had to look at him and realise what he's done for, for West Ham, to be inspired yeah. by him, to, yeah. to play for him. Yeah. He, he was one of them. He didn't have to say nothing. Mm. Um, he would lose his rag now and then. he want to beat people up now and then. <laughs> um, but he was... For me, like I said, I had my run-ins with him and mm. things like that. Um, Harry, Harry, for me, good, like great man management, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, again, obviously played for West Ham, so he knows what the the fans wanted, and we played exciting football under Harry. Mm. Um, mm. But if I, I mean, that's a difficult one. <laughs> I would. To be fair, I would like to play under Harry, but play with Billy Bonds. Well, that's a good answer. Yeah, we'll take that. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Or play under Billy Bonds and not with Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this wasn't part of one of the questions that we were going to ask you, actually. And, I, and we've met several times. I don't know if I've asked you this. Uh, you might have been asked it at the pre-match event that you've done for us, but don't ask you to it. marry him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. It's still my thunder now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You killed it now. Um, the whole situation with Harry and Billy, mm -hmm. have you got an opinion on that? No, because I don't know what's happened. It's as simple as that. Yeah, I, I haven't. Billy's never spoke about it, and I've done a few Q&As with Billy, and he's never spoke about it, mm. and he refuses to speak about it. So, I mean, Gailey winds him up, and <laughs> yeah, whatever, but Billy just won't speak about it. And I've never really spoke to, to Harry about the situation anyway mm, no that's, that's fair enough um, staying on the, on the kind of management side for a second was there any teammates that you played with that you thought would go on to manage in the game they might not have managed they could have um, no Ian Dowie was one I always thought Ian would want to be a manager um, which he was oh, which he was yeah he's managed a few clubs Ian um, but no not, not really I've you look at players when they're, they're playing in, like, I look at John Barnes, I play with John at, at mm. Liverpool. Mm. I never thought John would be a manager. All right, he didn't last very long, but he still managed <laughs> Celtic and, mm. yeah, I mean, so, mm. no, not, there's not one that I could go, hang on a minute, yeah, he was good. Like Little Frank. Mm. I mean, Little Frank's done superb at Derby. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Obviously, you must speak to, to Harry and, and his dad yeah. and, and things like that. Um, but over the years, you, you learn so much good and bad off the managers you play for. Mm. Like obviously, I mean, I play for loads of managers. Mm. So it's not all good and it's not all mm. bad. So you, you, you don't, when you play, you don't really think of things that, that they say or they do or things like that. But when you become a coach or a manager, you go, hang on a minute, Harry used to do this, or Billy used to do this, or Graham Sooners used to do this, or John Lyle used to do this. Mm. I mean, I'm doing things now with, with my players that John Lyle done like 25 years ago. Mm. And like even when we was at West Ham with, with Slab, doing exactly the same thing John done 25 years ago. Mm. So things haven't changed that much. So, so 
Is, is there any sort of teammates that were just constantly in trouble with the manager? I mean, you said you had a few run-ins with Bill yourself, but was there any others that you can think of? Anything? Oh, they're off for it again? Or? Um, not really. I wasn't... I mean, Don Hutchinson with Harry. <laughs> yeah. um, Hutch was always in trouble with Harry. Um, <laughs> was he, he was a friend of Jamie, Jamie wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess he might have looked out from a, from a fatherly point of view in a way as well. Was it just what Harry? Yeah, what we've heard. Yeah, no, yeah, no. no. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the rumor was he bought him from Liverpool to get him away from Jamie, but <laughs> that's just a rumor. <laughs> um, but no, listen, you as. You always have run-ins with managers. Most yeah. people yeah. have run-ins with managers. I mean, like I said, I didn't have any run-ins with John, Tom mm. Lyle, Ron Saunders, or John Bond, mm. or Graham Soonis. The others I did. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Roy, That's Roy Evans. Was Roy Evans, I had, I had loads, yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loads of rows with. Um, obviously, Harry, Billy, Lou Macari. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you know, we're good friends with Wardy, and uh, you only have to mention uh, yeah, Lou's name, and he'll, he'll yeah. start off on one, <laughs> which we cannot say, say uh, this time on the on a live radio. Yeah, show, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you even told this story last time, and I was speaking to Frank McAvenny yesterday, actually, about a few bits and pieces. And um, one thing that was mentioned over Twitter before we spoke was the the infamous uh, milk float. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now for, I, I know you've mentioned it before and I think a lot of West Ham fans have heard it but there will be fans listening to this show that haven't heard this you, you, you've got to talk about um, the day at Hainault Forest where you, you, you cheated the four mile run back to Chapel Leaf <laughs> and, and how you did it well we the thing is we, we always used to start all together at the gates at Chapel Leaf and Billy was the manager like Billy was always at the front regardless of how old he was he was always at the front with the young lads in people like Martin Allen and things like that. And me and Frank was always at the back. So obviously the longer they were running, the further we were getting back. But Billy used to sprint <laughs> from the front to the back and go, you two, listen, come on, hurry up. Like, we'd, be, we'd be like 200 yards behind the worst runner. Um, I think Phil Parks was in front of us and everything. So, but then Rob Jenkins was looking yeah, over his Rob, shoulder. But Steve Baker. <laughs> <laughs> but Billy would sprint to the front and I mean literally sprint to the front again and he would do that two or three times and in the end he went I can't run this time <laughs> so we went done Hainault we got to Hainault then we run round Hainault then we do doggies up the hills then we do a forest run and, and things like that and they're all waiting for me and Frank to, so we all start together <laughs> so we got to the gates he said right everybody stay together within 10 yards we're like 20 yards behind we're like it's mad um, and I said to Frank this, I can't cope with this so the, obviously the boys were getting further and further away and then Billy didn't really start sprinting back to us on the way back um, but they used to put people on corners so I think there's Paul Hill and maybe Tony Carr and people like that and there's this milk float went past I went Frank we get on this so he said to like, listen, can you give us a lift back to the training ground? He went for you two, not a problem. So we've got on the milk float, and I think it was Paul Hilton, we went past on the corner, so we both got down. And he's, the blokes, he's dropped us at the top of Savile Road? Savile Road? The, the he's train, believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's dropped us at the top, and we went, thank you very much. And we, we both sprinting down there, because the milk float goes like six miles an hour, yeah. So... We uh, we sprinted down the white and then obviously me and Fran got changed and went home. And then the next day, 
gaffer called us in, Billy called us in, he said, uh, yes, what happened? We went, what? He went, Paul Hilton didn't, you didn't run past Paul Hilton. We would be dead because obviously we got back here. He went, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> and I was we, we told him, we said no, we jumped on the milk float. He found it funny, but he didn't. I was um, going to say, how was his reaction to that? Listen, Billy, Billy was all right. I mean, he, he used to cane me and Frank not for, for not running, like the long distance running we had to do and things like that. But, when it comes to five-a-sides, keep balls and things like that, we, we, were, we were good. Yeah, yeah. Frank Everon, go join riding on milk floats for old time's sake now. No, but it's like, like you said, it's, it's one you will take to the grave. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, at yeah. the time, it, it was it was funny. Yeah, it's one of my favourite stories, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. And just imagine, can you just imagine being a West Ham fan now, driving down the A127 or one of these kind of country roads and in front of you is a milk float with Julian Dix and Frank McAvenny sitting on it. I love that, absolutely love that. Because I know how much you hate running as well and obviously you, your description of what it was like at Anal Forest and the drills I mean that must have been a nightmare for someone who didn't love running yeah it, it was it was it was horrendous um, but it, back then it was a part of what you had to do mm. it was a part of your pre-season unless you could find a milk float obviously exactly Or <laughs> but the thing is me and Frank couldn't do say we couldn't we didn't want to do long distance running but when it comes mm. to keep balls in five sides we used to give everything. Yeah. But the people, some people that could run to Hainault in 10, 15 minutes mm. were crap at football. Yeah. And that's what I used to What's say. What's more important? That's yeah. what I used to say to him. Yeah. Let the runners run, let the players play. Yeah. Yeah, it was true. Apparently, Carlos Tevez was a terrible trainer. Yeah. But put him on the, you know, match. You'd have him in your side, of course. Yeah, of course you, you would, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I've just um, realised I haven't seen a mill float for years. You're not seeing what Frank's driving these days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you scored many, many good goals at West Ham. And I don't know if, I know she's putting you on your spot, and I don't know if you've ever given us any faults, so you've got a quick answer to this. But top three goals for you. Um, there's one I think it was against Peter Shilton when he was at Derby played it um, Upton Park I think it was the quarterfinals of some cup it was a strike um, that was one the, the, the other one was against Nottingham Forest free kick against Nottingham Forest I think we drew 1-1 and then obviously I got my two penalties against Tottenham mm. in Man United if I had to it would be against Tottenham because everybody don't like Tottenham <laughs> and it's always nice to beat them that is, that's very three true three goals that I, that I can remember of yours that really stand in my mind yeah. one against Oxford uh, I think we were what seven five, six was a big goal which one the first one or the second one uh, it was a long ranger they were both long rangers <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this man don't miss about mate <laughs> yeah. um, and then the one against Man City yeah um, I, yeah, I would have said that header against Tottenham when we beat them in Hartson and Kits and scores yeah. Not in terms of necessarily the quality of the goal, but no, it was a great goal. Moment. But what it, <laughs> <laughs> it was a great goal. But like you said, it's always goal. nice to uh, beat Tottenham. Yeah, so, exactly. but I, mem I remember that night very yeah, well with obviously John game. in, in mm. Paul Kitson. Still one of my favourite ever games, that actually. Yeah, it's a good Such game. A good remember game. the wind from that night That's as well. Right, yeah. Incredible. Is it me? I think it's <laughs> you, mate. Yeah, I'm just looking um, at the questions now. Right, okay. So you played in the Mark Noble testimonial, which was a special game as well. Um, why do you think he's never got an England call-up? Not good enough. Simply as that, yeah. I mean, he's a, listen, he's a midfield player. I mean, there's some exceptional midfield players about mm. um, And listen, that's, sometimes you have to be honest in life. Yeah. Like, I think he's he's been good enough. 
Fair been enough. good enough for West Ham. Mm. Um, but I, to be fair, I have to thank him for letting me play in his testimonials yeah. because it was because yeah. I mean he come up to me and said like can you play 20 minutes I went mm. oh, I'd love to mm. Mel he knows what my knees yeah. are like mm. I went yeah I'd love to mm. um, and, I, like, and I, I went on and done 20 minutes then I come off and I, to be honest if them fans weren't there been there I could have cried mm. because really? I knew that was my last ever oh, wow. time I'm ever going to be on that pitch mm. playing football yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it was listen for me it was obviously it was a special day for Mark but for me mm. it was a it's a special, special day. Mm. I, I'm, I'm not too embarrassed to say that there were tears rolling down my face at your testimonial. Mm. That's yeah, for sure. That was that. a tough day, and I'm not a crier. Yeah. No. Well, not in public, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that, that was a tough day. But yeah, I, I can imagine, actually. I can imagine, because obviously the day was centred around Mark, rightfully so. Of course, mm. yeah, of um, course. But yeah, I, for that reason, I didn't I didn't really think about what that would have been like for you. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we spoke about this last time you come on the show. Um, I was quite surprised you didn't take a penalty, but knowing what your knees are like, yeah. I can understand why you didn't. Um, but yeah, I just please you please didn't take one and miss. Is that, <laughs> that really would have broke my heart. Do you still speak to Mark or any of the? the no, I haven't. That? I mean, mm. the only person um, that texted me was Ginge mm. when I left West Ham. Mm. The only person that texted me. Mm. I mean, I still speak to to the kit man in mm. in that. Um, yeah. But Ginge was the only one that um, texted me when I, mm. I left West Ham. Mm. We're going to be meeting him in a couple of weeks, aren't we? On what? No, week and a half now. Our first pre-match event at the new the new yeah. places we've mm. so that. Yeah, we've met him before. But um, it's yeah. the first time, first. I suppose, if this is the right term, that he's addressed the fans since yeah. he's left West Ham, and yeah. he, he, he can't wait because mm. you know, like you would understand, he he, he gets West Ham, he gets mm. the fans, and he he has that connection with mm. them, and uh, yeah, he's looking forward to it. Should be a good night there. Mm. So well, one thing we also wanted to talk about, sorry, I think I'm talking to you if you a question as well, but oh, mate, that's time fine. is ticking. Yeah. We talked a little bit off air about it, but the, the mental side of the, of the game, the psychology of it is obviously very demanding for uh, footballers. Was there tough times for you mentally whilst playing? And, and you know, have you seen players whose game has been really affected by just not being able to sort of clear their heads so to speak I'm old school I think psychology of football is absolute rubbish Mm -hmm. Um, I mean when I was injured as I said to you earlier um, I was out for 14 months and all I've ever wanted to do is play football Mm. Um, then like my surgeon said to me at the time listen it's 50-50 whether you play football again and as I said to you earlier it's not always bordering on being an alcoholic because Mm. I felt sorry for myself um, I couldn't do nothing for about four or five months because my leg was in the cast and in brace and, and stuff. So you're not really the first month, two months, you're not even going into the training ground. So you're not seeing any of the lads or you're not involved in everyday mm. things. Um, and I find that really, really hard. Mm. Um, but lucky enough at the time I had like John Green, the physio, come in, and, and John King, the uh, surgeon. Um, to be honest, like I said to you earlier, that John Green really got me playing again. Mm. Because it hadn't been for him, then I don't think I would have made it. I mean, I called him names every day. <laughs> um, because you have to bend your knee, you have to get all the adhesions out your knee, and, mm. and everything else. And it was it was it was hard work. Mm. Right. But because you want to be, you still want to play football. Mm. You you go through all this, and then it, it was it was tough. Second one, I was out for eighteen months, but because I knew what the first one was like, I was okay. Mm. Um, but for me, like you say, psychology thing, 
mm. if for me listen, you're playing so I'm going from my point of view but you're playing the best sport in the world mm. and you're getting even when I play getting good money to play football something mm. you enjoy doing mm. and you've got all the fans that like you and mm. things like for me there's I, d I don't see the, the point in psychology to me but listen people are different I'm mm. a bit different from most people um, but there is people that obviously need psychologists and, mm. and stuff like that to basically to get mentally through their games mm. and, and stuff mm. so it's in sources of courses it's mm. if you need it then have it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the here and now in which mm -hmm. case so so you're now managing uh, Haybridge Swifts yep. how did you get that job because I, I know that you've always had a real soft spot for non-league football and I think you've always wanted to manage and, and, and probably missed it when you didn't manage in non-league if that's fair to say I don't know yeah I, I, I know I used to go to watch Haybridge last season the season before and the season before that like obviously when I wasn't at West Ham mm. I didn't go and watch Abridge in sack West Ham probably would have seen a better game but, yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know the vice chairman um, I know the chairman as such back then um, and that's what it was the, the manager resigned and I put my CV in for the job mm. um, I know the club I used to, I coached the, the youth down there um, and it is it's a youth orientated club so mm. they try and bring the kids up through the ranks and, and mm. things like that and I go down there every Sunday to watch the kids play um, so for me like you said I, I do love non-league football mm. Um, mm. so lucky enough I got the job and, and that was it mm. yeah. Good for you. and you're playing right next to the studio on Saturday against Brentwood yeah um, Brentwood yep. so obviously encourage West Ham fans to get down there um, see see yourself as manager is it, a, is it an important game you're going for the promotion they're all at the important moment? games yeah. <laughs> you're a promotion um, race yeah we're, we're fourth at the moment mm. I, said, I took over they were like I think they were 15th 16th yeah. um, we've had a, we've had a great one we've had one or two blips mm. um, which obviously all teams do yeah um so yeah, but they're, they're all tough games. Brentwood's mm. a, a good side, so mm. uh, listen, we'll have to to play to our best of our ability, and everybody work, have to work hard. So. Mm. Mm. And what's what expectations has the chairman set you this season for them? None. It was didn't because, like I said, they were, I think they were 15, 16 when I took them over, um, and like I say, now we're fourth. Um, but again, if, if football's about progression, mm. you know what I mean? If if the chairman turned around to me and said, right, you have to get them up or you're going to get sacked, then I wouldn't have took the job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why, all right, if you're a Man City and you spend <laughs> like 300 million, you'd <laughs> yeah. understand. But for me, if you're a manager, you're going into a club and the ch chairman goes, right, you have to do this, this and this, there's too much pressure on you mm -hmm. already. Yeah, it so is. So just like let you get on with the job, let you deal with the players um, and just say, uh, you go for that. Listen, mm -hmm. if you don't do a good enough job, and you get sacked. Mm. Well, I think Pellegrini's got two more years left in his contract, so if you do something really special with Abridge, Julian, you might get the call. Yeah, no, you yeah. never know. Yeah. <laughs> might, might be given 100 million this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, another big uh, match you've got coming up, which you're also uh, manager for, is Isla Caton's um, charity match. Yep. I believe that you're the West Ham 11 manager for that day. Um, Dave and I will be commentating on the match as well. Oh, um, so, um, so, how are you feeling about that? Are you excited about it? Yeah, listen, it's, it's 
for a great cause of mm. course it is and obviously the more people they get there the more money they generate mm. listen it'd be it'd be a good day but it'd be a sad day of course yeah. as well um but like i said is it is it Ainley football club so mm. like i said hopefully the uh Sun's shining and we win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm sure it'd be a great day. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's going to be a good laugh, whatever the case is, because there's got a lot of ex-West Ham um, heroes down there, lots of celebrities. You know, it'll be a great occasion. I think, you know, just plug in the tickets. Look on my Twitter, Baz's Twitter, and get, get yourself involved, because it looks like it's going to sell out, which... It's brilliant, but you're going to miss out if you don't get your tickets. Eh? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, a, a nice timely plug there. Um, Julian, you are a gentleman, mate, and it's always a pleasure speaking to you, mate. And um, thanks for coming in, of course, and we wish you all the best of luck for the rest of the season. The only problem is that during a live show, we just don't have enough time, and no. we haven't been able to answer no. or, or ask the questions on behalf of the followers, which, no. which we can only apologise for. But as we've done before, we can talk for hours and hours yeah. to Julian, but this is obviously a live show, so apologies for that. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed coming in. Yeah, I loved it, yeah. Yep. Brilliant, good stuff. So that is it for the live show. Um, we're off to speak to Mark Little now, which uh, will be available on a published podcast later this evening. So thanks for listening, be lucky, and until next week, come on you irons.
Welcome back to the bonus content of the podcast where we are joined by undefeated cruiserweight boxer and big West Ham fan Mark Little. How are you, champ? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, very good. Good stuff, good stuff. Thanks for coming in, mate. Uh, we're delighted to have you on with us. So you have been uh, a West Ham fan all your life? Yep, all my life. How yep. did that come about, you poor bastard? Me nan. <laughs> me nan had a season ticket and a Bobby Moore stand at the bowling. Um... I think I was about six years old when she took me for my first game. She used to have one of them ratchet toy things. Oh, you know, really? all the <laughs> Proper old school, yeah. Old got, school. I think we got beat by Everton. I think it was like three two or something like that. It was the first game I ever went. But it's in you then, isn't it? And mm, I, yeah. never, I never look back. Because you're a Canning Town boy as well, is that right? Yeah, Silvertown. I'm originally from Silvertown. Mum and dad like North Woolwich, but then went to school in Canning Town and then moved on to out in the Essex now. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, didn't we all? Yeah. Didn't we all? <laughs> At least if your first game's a loss, you kind of sets you up yeah. for what being a West Ham fan's all about, doesn't it? So, <laughs> I want glory, I didn't yeah, Exactly. <laughs> it sets the expectations. Yeah, well, you exactly. You kind of know what you're going to get, yeah. don't you? I, I, my first ever game was a, a one-all draw to Portsmouth. So, again, it's equally as exciting. Yeah. Wasn't yours like a 7-1 win or something? Mate, I was just about to yeah. say. So, do you know what? West Ham United 7, Hull City 1. <laughs> and and it also Potts featured a, a collector's item, which was yeah. a Steve Potts 30-yarder. Wow. Um, so, you probably thought you'd hit the jackpot uh, no, do you know what I, I, I am going to go against grain now and say it's exactly what I did think so yeah. whilst the expectation levels sort of took me a little bit longer because I, I walked away thinking we were well beaters yeah. thinking yeah. we must be the best team in the world and but obviously you, soon realised very quickly we wasn't <laughs> I bet you went into school and said all to, you, to all your mates you know, forget your Arsenals forget your Man United my team won 7-1 like yeah. they're like yeah it's West Ham and then it came back to it Hornet. really was yeah. mate. it really was so obviously your earliest memories is like your nan and the Everton yep. game do you have any other games or significant moments like it, uh, no nothing major my nan was my nan like I say she was seen ticket for years and obviously yeah. as she got older obviously that sort of fizzled out yeah. and then my dad hates football which really? is terrible yeah is so right? he's not interested in any sort of football or sports like that so that was really hard for me because although he I'll give him he's always been supportive of anything I've ever done football yeah. boxing whatever I've done as a kid um, so yeah it wasn't until I was sort of old enough to get a season ticket on my own that I become yeah. a season ticket older, but I think I was about 14, 15, and my uncle had one. My dad was like, "Right, go and you go with your uncle. See you later." <laughs> and then there's his ticket. He was like, and that was it. Yeah. So, so was the uncle your dad's brother? No, that was oh, my mum's brother. So it was more yeah. like, "Go and get yeah. out with your mum's family." <laughs> so yeah, out we went, and uh, yeah, yeah I, I carried on with them. They stopped, but I still carried on. So oh, brilliant. And do you have a season ticket now? Still have a season ticket. Where's now, your yeah. season ticket? Bobby Moore, Lara. Okay. Yeah, London Stadium. Excellent. Same. And I was a Bobby Moore at the uh, bowling ground. So as how long have you had your season ticket for now? Scorpio, I think in about 12 years. I must be in about okay. 12 years or something like that. Yeah. 10, 12 years or something wow. like that. Yeah. Yes. Well, because we were talking off air about your um, your, your schedule. And yeah. um, obviously, it's, it's quite well known that boxers in general, if you're taking the sport seriously, there's not a lot of time for uh, not a lot else no, no, where, when you're fighting or trying to fight. Mm. Um, so, I mean, you're a season ticket holder. Do you get to go every game? Uh, yeah, I go to every home game. Def- uh, I mean, unless, obviously... Like this one, there's my fights obviously on the same mm. day as the, as the Newcastle game, so I can't go to that game. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah, other than that, every game that I can get to, I'll be there, do you mm. know what I mean? So as long as I'm not fighting. Who'd you go with to the games now? Uh, I sit with people that, who I sat with originally from the uh, bowling, not me, oh, right. but friends yeah. who we made up at, like, at Upton Park. We made yeah. And we all, we all moved together, the whole yeah. section of us, we all moved together yeah. to the London Stadium, which was really good. So yeah, yeah we that's met what, up with them. That's exactly what we yeah. did. We moved that, about a group of about yeah. 10, and then added a few. That's it, yeah. Come and uh, yeah, it's quite quite nice now. Yeah, no, we've got a good little, good little yeah. group where we are now, probably 10, 15 of us now. I mean, one of them's now one of my sponsors as well, which was no, great. Yeah. I met a new sponsor. 
brilliant. So, yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah really that's, good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And and you personally and your group, if you like, how did you um, deal with the transition going to that new stadium? What, what did you think of it when we moved and what do you think of it now? I think it always had to happen. I mean, mm. the bowling Upton Park, whatever you want to call it, was brilliant and it'll never ever be repeated, will it? That, that, that no. stadium, you know, the atmosphere, everything will never be the same. But I think there was an element that if we was going to become a bigger club, we had to move on. Mm. And I think that stadium, it's an amazing stadium. No one can knock it. It is an amazing mm. stadium. I totally agree. It's probably not run the right way yet. And I mm. think mm. hopefully West Ham will only get more and more control over it mm. in the whole area as well. I'm talking mm. the parts of Stratford that it's not very fan friendly, is it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. But um, hopefully it just gets better and better. But I, I like it. I, mean, I think it's a great stadium. And when you're winning games in there, that's all that matters. Mm. Do you know what I mean? At the end 100%. of the day, it's only about winning games. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. any player on the excess of 60, 70 grand a week should be able to play anywhere, shouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. So, you would like to think so. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you would like to think so. And, and talking about players, did you have any specific favourite players when you first started going over West Ham? And, and who's your current favourite player now? I think, like with the first games, I think the likes like Tony Cotty and pe- people like were still at West Ham, even like the Paul Kitsons, the John Artsons and yeah. things like that, the John yeah. Moncurs mm-hmm. and players like that. But now, then I sort of went on to, like I was saying earlier off air, like, the 2006 season, the FA yeah. Cup final, that season was memorable for everything, for every West Ham fan, I think. Yep. Um, but then now, I still, Mark Noble is probably still my favourite player, mm. just because he's Mr. West Ham, and he, mm. there's mm. there's not much you can get out of him, is there any more than what he does? No. I mean, all the managers, there's changed and all that, yet he's still there, and he? mm. so he's doing mm. something right, and he? I mean, he, I know he gets slagged off quite a bit and I think he's the easy option I think really yeah. when, when we have a bad game it's like oh, Mark Noble's rubbish yeah. Mark Noble done this Mark Noble because you don't get a reaction from him because he don't come out and go oh, yeah, you know sod you and sod you he don't do that does he yeah, do you know what I mean and I think it's just an easy option where all the managers that we've had he's still in the side he's doing mm. something right isn't he do you mm. know what I mean and yeah. I think he's proven that I totally agree and I think he's, he's, a, he's a dying breed really and it's yeah. been, the point's been made on this podcast before and I think it's right where I think we'll appreciate him more when he's retired yeah, um, which is, there's a lot wrong with that. Yeah, that's, really, that's, it's, it's bad, um, isn't it? Yeah. It is bad. Yeah. It is bad. But yeah, I mean, he's been a fantastic servant for the club, and I suppose when I say he's a dying breed, I mean he's kind of possibly one of the last local lads that can literally live and breathe West Ham yeah. and 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 do on the pitch what a fan would love to do on the pitch. And yep. um, I don't know with the pressures and strains of, of of the money that's in football these days, and and it, and it turns managers to naturally look overseas to get yep. foreign talent. It's harder and harder for local lads to break through. It's these a results days. business. Is the problem? Yeah, of it's, course it's it is. gone straight. It, everything's results now. Isn't it? Of course mm-hmm. it is. You see managers getting sacked after stupid amount of games now yeah. because they've yeah. lost this, they've lost that. Yet the season before, they've they've gone on and won a cup or yeah. something. Like, I mean, Leicester. Yeah, the Ranieri. Well, I mean, right. wins the Premier League, <laughs> then gets the sack. Yeah. Come on, I mean, yeah. should that really happen? It's cutthroat, mate. Yeah, mm. and and that's the unfortunate thing because it's a, a results business, mm. and no one's happy unless you're winning. That's right. What's your take on the out of it situation? Would you be starting him, or do you think he's got to get um, to come from the bench and earn his right to start? I think again, as a results business, you need him to start, mm-hmm. which is probably wrong, mm. but then. We all know there's no law in football. Yeah. I mean, there isn't, is there? There's no, no law in football, no. really. Unless we're talking about Mark Noble, obviously, earlier. But mm. there isn't any law in football no, no more. I mean, at the end of the day, we just want to see our team win. Yeah. And if he's on, the, if he's in your team, you've got a better chance in you. So mm. you're going to want to start him. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, see, I... 
Um, I wouldn't usually disagree with a boxer. <laughs> but I have to back up. I, I, Dave is, agrees with what you yeah. said. He, we had a, quite a big discussion on Twitter about this publicly, Dave and I, where Dave, <laughs> Dave was saying that he, um, he, he, like literally what you're saying, that he's the best player at announcement should start. I'm more of the thought process that, yes, I agree. He is the, he is the, um, the best player, but... I just think if you stick him straight in, it almost sends the wrong message out to the team that yeah, you, know, I can you can agree do with that, that as well. and yeah. you're straight back in no matter what. Yep. And if I don't think he's been performing that well anyway. So, but that said, I'd actually start both of them and Altovich and Hernandez but, against. Yeah. Um, but, but what was interesting though, because I know X me and you have had a bit of fun on Twitter and yeah. a bit of banter and whatnot, and uh, people thought we were at loggerheads, but obviously it's all it's all good natured we stuff. We were WhatsApping each other in between. We were. We were saying I can't believe how serious some people are taking <laughs> yeah, this. Exactly. And um, and 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 yeah, I mean, in, in the case of of Arnie, it is a difficult one because I've also caveated that statement with. It also depends on his attitude. So, you know, I, I totally agree he shouldn't be in the side unless his attitude is right and he's 100% committed. But what was interesting tonight, because obviously the earlier podcast that we'd done was speaking to Dixie, and one question that, that was put to him was, how much does it affect the players when you get a scenario like this with Arnie? Um, and he's a, he's a straight-up man, Dixie, yeah. you know? He, he's, he, he's, he's no sort of mincing his words. And he said it doesn't affect him. doesn't affect him at all. Shouldn't, should it? It, it shouldn't, mm-hmm. but I... I, I Prior to asking that question, I thought it would have done. Yeah, and see, I thought it would have. And I think yeah, a couple of I would players, have. even Zabaleta or something, unless they're making an excuse, they did kind of yeah. say it, did yeah. didn't yeah. they? Um, so, yeah. so, but, but the reason I say that is, what's interesting is if it doesn't affect the players and he has got the right attitude, then who cares about what message it sends out because it's not yeah, going to affect him right. anyway. And, yeah. and I'm yeah. a big believer in playing your best players mm. and I think he's better than Hernandez. However, I think we all know he's going to go in the summer. Um, and look, if, if, he, if he continues to put on a, a performance like he did when he came on against Palace, he shouldn't be anywhere near the squad, let alone the starting eleven. But Agreed. he's our yeah. best player, so yeah. what can you do? You know, it's yeah. just a shame it once again happened to West Ham so raw after Dimitri Payet. I mean, you'd have seen him, Mark, as well. Exactly. What, what a player! Yeah, exactly, probably the best. I would probably say he's probably one of the best players I ever see yeah. in the West Ham mm-hmm. shirt for yeah. me. Um, what he could do with a ball is incredible, mm. but. Um, there's, there's, there's wrong and right ways of doing things. If you want to leave because of family issues, mm. there's, there's got to be better ways to come out and do it. Mm. Yeah, Not right. just, I ain't playing. And yeah. get over yourself. You get paid all this money. Yeah, mm. You play until, you know, you're, you're sold or whatever you go. That, yeah. that, that's the way to do it. You shouldn't be giving, you know, you, you should never stop playing for your team. No. And, and that's the point. But then, there's the dying breeders, like you said earlier, with like the Mark Nobles. Like, there's, mm. there's no law in football. No one cares. It's, the, mm. it's a money game. And of unfortunately, that's what we're in. Yeah, it's a shame. It is a shame. Where do you think we'll finish this season? I want to say top eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think top eight. I think. Yeah, I I think we're playing good again now. For some reason, we seem to be playing well again at the minute, don't we? But Mm -hmm. um, we're just so inconsistent. Yeah. But hopefully, uh, yeah, I'd like. I'd like to see us top eight. I think we could. I mean, we've got a great manager now. We, we can't yeah, there's no you know, there's no excuse there we've got a great manager mm. someone who's managed at the top top levels mm. um, slowly he's going to bring his own players in which he's, he has done and I think yeah I think we'll be we'll be top eight mm, okay mm. Uh, what positions do you think we need to strengthen in the summer I think we need another centre half we definitely need another centre back I think we've proven that when we got in when um uh, uh, Balbuena has got injured. Yeah, he's been great for us. As much as I, I thought Ogbonna was great before, but he sort of had yeah. a right shaky patch, Snap, didn't he? Yeah, and then we were yeah. sort of thinking, wow, what mm. are we doing here? Like, yeah. 
where's the replacement? And it looks like Balbuena might be coming back, for, obviously, for the, the next game. Mm. Um, obviously, if Arnie goes, we need a centre-forward. The odd thing is centre-forwards who are going to score 20 goals a season cost you millions and millions, <laughs> don't they? Right, and yeah. there's, there's, there's not many out there, is there? Let's be fair. I mean... They're, they're all the top top clubs and no top club lets them go do they do you know I mean? no, exactly. and who's going to want to come to West Ham if they ain't performing mm. how you want to be so mm-hmm. um, but I think yeah I think you definitely need a centre half centre forward um, I want like I'd probably say a left back as well I think mm. I like Cresswell I really like Cresswell but I think again it could be it's quite inconsistent mm. Masawaku isn't a left back no, we totally all know agree. that I think he's a left yeah. winger yeah. Yep. and the further you keep him up the pitch, I think the more dangerous he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, maybe a left back as well. Even if it is cover to Cresswell as a you know go and get a young kid like we've done with that Fredericks uh, right back. I mean, mm-hmm. I think his last few games I thought he's been brilliant. Mm-hmm. And all right, Zabaleta has been absolutely wonderful for us, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. But he's slowly going to come out the game, and we need that replacement. And I think you've got that with Fredericks if you carry on putting him in the games sort of as and when. We have been. So. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I make you right. You echo a lot of my faults there, actually. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 it's interesting because what you were saying about Bonner, I mean, again, at last season at the Bowling, oh. wow, just phenomenal. Yeah. But as was Creswell. Yeah. And, and you just think, how have those two gone so far off the ball yeah. since we've just moved to a new yeah. stadium? They're still playing the same yeah. sport. We're not playing them out yeah. of position. Mm. But they've just become different players and yeah. it's a shame. But uh, it's, it's hard to argue, really, with, with the positions that you pointed out, to be honest with you. And I think you're probably going to have to get a... Um, a, a second goalkeeper purely because I can't see Adrian standards. No, yeah, I agree. I think that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah it, maybe he will. He does seem loyal to West Ham at the moment, doesn't it? But um, <laughs> listen, if a club comes in and they're going to give him first team football, then you've got to expect him to go. You can't yeah, expect someone so. like him to be sitting on the and bench. At his age, yeah, as well. and at his mm-hmm. age, I mean, get a, you know, try and bring a younger goalkeeper in and, and sort of again bring him in with the cup games like you are with Adrian anyway. Yeah, and. Let it be a cover for Fabianski, who has been unbelievable oh, this year. I mean, signing, if we yeah. didn't have him, I think we'd, <laughs> we'd probably be fighting a relegation battle. Well, I'm pretty sure we would be fighting a relegation well, battle. It's amazing, even the games where we've like you know lost uh, let four in against yeah. Liverpool and he's been like bad at the match. Yeah. Wow, I mean, when we that. first signed him, I was a bit like, what have we got? Same here. Like, yeah. Same here. A lot of money for this, and it was yeah. here. Yeah. And you can't knock him, can you? I mean, <laughs> he's got to be hammer of the year. Oh, hundred percent. Him or Declan Rice. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I yeah. think he should get it personally because oh, yeah. yeah. I think Rice will get different accolades through through his career. Yeah, uh, you know, he's yeah. unbelievable talent. But Fabianski for us this year has been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's been. Hey, do you know what? It's, it's funny you say that because I couldn't agree more. And um, you look at the business we've done in the summer. Uh, literally, and I feel embarrassed to say this now, but Fabianski and Sanchez were the only two that I wasn't overly happy with. And yet, it's like you say, Fabianski's just been different class. And he's always been there, hasn't he, in the yeah, Premier League? Yeah. Sort of fringes at Arsenal, yep. when had some time in the first team. Yep. And statistically, he was phenomenal at Swansea when they yeah. got relegated. Yeah. Well, it's funny because on Twitter, I've like seen to have a few Swansea fans that follow me. And I guess it is because of Fabianski. And they keep saying he is so good. He was that good for us. But you're right. I, I think he went a little bit under most people's radar. Mm. But thankfully, Lucky he did, for us. I was going to say. I think you look at us? it, when you see a Swansea side that gets relegated, how can your goalkeeper be your best yeah. player? Yeah, and, totally. that's what, and that's what yeah. you think of that's what I thought, and yeah. that's what you think of but yeah, it's been incredible for us definitely and like the hammer of the year debate I think you're right it's between him and Rice mm. and I think as, as much as people know how much I, how fond I am of Declan I think you have to give it yeah. to Fabianski yeah. because he has just been exceptional and mm. beyond what we probably would have thought he'd have yeah. been I think I honestly can't remember a time where I felt that comfortable with the goalkeeper in a long time Agreed. of supporting West Ham yeah, I, think, I agree Yeah, mm. I don't think there's been a 
I can't remember a goal kick where you think oh, we've got one here. Yeah, that's and right. at the moment we we sort of got one, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Okay. just when she was twenty three, not yeah. not thirty three. Yeah. But yeah. you know, goal kick was going a bit longer. I, I don't true. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he's going anywhere yet. I don't think I think yeah. it'll be a good few years before he's gone anywhere. Yeah, yeah true. Very true. Right, boxing. Okay, so your ten de- ten fights undefeated. Yep. Um, you talk to us. Talk to us about your career so far. How how did it all start? You know the fights you've had so far. It all started back in January 2012. Mm-hmm. I was about 23 stone. Right. And I thought I'd join the gym in January like we all do. Get January, don't we? Yeah. New, new year, new start. <laughs> well, you um, do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new start. Yeah. Um, join the gym with a friend um, just to lose weight. There's nothing else, purely to lose weight. So had you always been a, a big lad or did you just sort of ballooned at that time? I sort of ballooned from probably about 18 years old sort of right. thing I was never massive massive but yeah. obviously yeah ballooned from about 18 years old started working on building sites things like that and mm-hmm. that ain't no good for you because you just end up in a calf <laughs> um, so yes yeah, so I joined the gym in the January of 2012 mm-hmm. um, met my trainer there Paul Cook mm-hmm. world champion trainer his son Nicky Cook won a world title trained Kevin Mitchell uh, Colin Lyons Michael Lomax you know some good some good champions mm-hmm. um and watched him train a group of lads in there for probably three or four weeks. I never had done anything in the gym, nothing. I was going straight in there, just watching a boxing class because I had no confidence to ask him like to train me or nothing. Yeah. I was going to ask, going to ask, going to ask. And I did. I just went up to him and said, right, Paul, can you train me? He said, I've seen you've been in here. You're obviously keen. You've been here for the last four weeks watching us. You ain't done anything else. <laughs> you know what I mean? I ain't done anything. And yeah, I started training with him on a Saturday morning, like one-to-ones on a Saturday morning. And I think I've done probably five or six weeks with him yeah. just on a Saturday morning. And he went to me, I'm going to have you fighting in the summer. Yeah. I was like, hey? He went, yeah, I'll have you fighting in the summer, but you've got to train every day. So that was it. I got, went home, asked the boss at home, the missus, and said like, <laughs> babe, I'm going to start training like six days a week because I'm going to fight in, in the July, which would have been a July, um, as an un- unlicensed. And that's where I started it all, went on the unlicensed boxing, went on to have 12 fights in the unlicensed boxing, got beat twice, um, and then we turned pro in the November 2015. I turned pro. And yeah, the rest is history. So the missus has been on the journey from the start. Yeah, she's been there from the start, yeah. <laughs> and so how did that first professional fight actually feel? Were you nervous before? Oh, yeah. yeah. I was absolutely shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was... When it, obviously, when it all came about that you was gonna, I was going to turn pro and all that, and then it was mm. like, I wanted to make my debut at the York Hall mm. because yeah. it's mm. such an iconic place. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I got the opportunity to do it there, and that was just incredible. Sold about 150, nearly 200 tickets for my debut. It was just unbelievable support mm. I had from everyone. Um, and yeah, it's just got bigger and better, and mm. I just, yeah, it's, it's been great, unbelievable. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, I mean, what was, was there an inspiration for you to kind of when you walked in the gym and you was obviously doing it to, to lose weight was was there kind of a, an inspiration of you to take more notice of, of the boxing that was happening in the gym i.e. was you a big boxing fan prior to that I've have you always, always kind of fancied it always or? liked boxing always loved boxing like not, not as a fighter as such but always loved watching the boxing obviously grew up with the likes you know like, uh, Lennox Lewis a massive fan he was my favourite boxer yeah, growing up Lennox really? Lewis yeah He's absolute favourite West Ham um, fan as well yeah, yeah. Lennox Lewis watching them like you know the Tyson fights so they've had the Holyfield fights and, all that, and staying up late getting that on the you know on the sky yeah, when you're yeah. sky first kind of getting <laughs> on box office and all that the stuff the good old do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, so they, that was the one. Um, so I've always been a fan of boxing. And I thought I used, I was only using the boxing really as 
to keep me interested in the gym. It was never about fighting. Although Paul said to me, like, I'm going to have you fighting in the summer. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe none of that. I was, I was more thinking, I just want to use, if I'm boxing, I'm interested, I'm going to lose weight, aren't I? And, that's, mm-hmm. and that was the main thing. It was never, ever about turning pro or having a fight. It was purely, let's try and lose some weight. But what was it that motivated you to lose the weight in the first place then? There was a picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all got one of them. Yeah, so in the January of 2012, so December... Um, Christmas Eve, the December before, was my cousin's wedding, and a photo come out from a wedding of me holding my little girl on my like me holding my little girl, and it looked like she was sitting on my belly, and I just thought, <laughs> wow, that is terrible. And that yeah, that yeah. picture, yeah, that goes about Paul. He chucks it on Twitter every now and then, from this to this and all yeah. that, and it, yeah, that's the picture where I thought. You got, you know, you got to lose weight. And it, again, like I say, it was nothing about boxing, like to fight. It was purely lose weight and be interested in losing weight, and not be one of them who goes to the gym in the January and leaves in the February. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I started in that January and I ain't left it. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't you left must it. just feel so much healthier. Uh, now, everything's yeah. just great. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everything that you do, confidence in life as well. Though yeah. not just mm-hmm. about boxing and things. In general, walking mm. around, life itself is so much more better. Mm. Psychologically, yeah, it just makes massive, a massively it? better. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just been an unbelievable journey, and long may it continue, as they say. That's mm. incredible, mate. Good for you, by the way. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's a much. great story. To, you know, I could definitely do it <laughs> a few pounds. I don't think I'll turn to boxing, but uh, <laughs> it, is good. it is good for people out there to hear that. You know, that it can be done. I mean, that is a huge amount of weight to lose. What was the actual time frame that you lost that? I in? probably lost it all and, and got down to like the weight I'm now and settled probably in about. Three, three or four years in yeah. total. I mean, I yeah. lost probably ten and a half, eleven stone. Wow, uh, that, that was at the most. But then I, I lost, a, I lost getting down to like eleven stone, like losing the eleven stone. Um, and then I did put some weight back on because I looked pretty drawn in and pretty ill. To be fair, do you think so. is that is because she was getting a bit too carried away with it? Yeah, I think that happens, and I mm. think your body sort of does it to itself. Though I got to a stage where I was, I was losing weight, and I'm thinking, but I'm still eating. I'm doing this. I'm, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think I just got to a stage where my body lost that weight, and it was still losing. And then I thought, oh, hold on, I've got to slow this down a little bit, and sort of understood the training a little bit more that I could eat yeah. stuff and couldn't eat this, but could eat that, and and just understood it a bit more. And yeah, now, so yeah, I mean, from where I was to where I am now, I'm probably ten stone, ten and a half stone lighter. That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, I'd, I'd find personally, I'd find it very easy to put that weight on. Yeah. I mean, I you know, if someone sent me that yeah. challenge, um, I, I would comfortably do that in mm. probably three or four months, not Definitely, three or four yeah. years. I can losing agree. losing that amount of weight is absolutely incredible. When it, as soon as you're talking like this, I'm talking to a boxer losing losing that amount of weight. The first name that comes to mind is Tyson Fury. Because yep. almost a very similar yeah, story yeah, and a similar yeah, journey yeah. in that respect. Different yeah. motivators, yeah. but that's um, that's an incredible amount of, of weight. I mean, he's got to have massive credit for what he's done for mm. you know over the last what, couple of years. Well, obviously, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, Beating Klitschko in his back, in his own backyard. Then obviously going through the depression and and all the stuff that he had and putting on all that weight. I mean, rumour had it he was at like twenty eight stone. If that was ever true, I don't know. But I mean, twenty eight stone. That's and a, then to get down to fighting at eighteen stone or something, wasn't he for the for the, yeah. the last fight against um, mm-hmm. Dylan White? Uh, sorry, uh, Deontay Wilder. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah massive respect to him as well do you know what I mean and he's in the limelight he's actually in the top do you know what I mean he's right up there where people are watching him daily well the mm. flips on with you know respect to you as well that you're still doing the same job are you that roughly that you were doing when you yeah, that yeah. so the temptation that you had previously yeah. when you ballooned is still there so you must have to be so strict with yourself you know there must be times you think oh I fancy that burger or oh definitely there, like, there's, really there's days you so. think like you want to yeah. blow it I mean lucky enough for me obviously like I train 
and obviously you're training for a fight like I am at the moment so obviously everything's strict but that the next day then there's your blowout do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean yeah. I'm usually come out after a fight I usually have a week off of yeah. the gym and that you know you have a, a blowout you might yeah. I mean I don't really drink anyway but I might have a drink I might have you know I'll mm. definitely be eating that's yeah. for sure but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, and you've got to have that because if you're strict all the time I, I believe you're just gonna it becomes a chore yeah. and mm. if it becomes a chore then it becomes hard work mm. where at the moment I'm, I'm enjoying doing what I do uh, and I find it, I find it quite relatively easy to keep the weight where I am now. So, which is which is good. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, so, what is your next fight? And and or, or should I say, when is your next fight? And and what's the importance behind your next fight? Right, the next fight is say two and a half, three weeks away, Saturday the second of March at the York Hall. Um, the importance is that I'm ten and zero, and I need to keep my O. If I, the plans are that I'm going to fight for the Southern Area title this year. Um, the week after my fight. Uh, it's being fought for the southern area is being fought for as a vacant title so I want the winner of them two which is Danny Mendes and uh, Danny Cousins I'd love the winner of them two um, hopefully that could be something we can sort out obviously like the boxing side I think they can sort it out my manager Steve Goodwin um, and I would love that for June July time because that's what I want now I want to be in that southern area mix and I believe that it's the right time to get there so the importance is I have to win I have to win on uh, in a couple of weeks time and then there's no reason why I can't be in that fight. Mm, a lot of pressure. A lot yeah. of pressure, but um, there's a big carrot at the yeah, end. Yeah, without definitely. Without a doubt. I mean, how can people get tickets for this fight? Uh, on my Twitter, um, Mark Little, at Mark Little 2 Facebook, uh, there's link for tickets on there as well. Mm. Uh, on my Facebook, Mark Adam Little. Um, Instagram, Mark Little Pro Boxer. Uh, yeah, follow me on now, and yeah, the ticket link's always on there. If not, message me and I'll get it sorted for you. Yeah, and what we'll do after this as well is Dave and I will both... Um, Put it out there Lovely, on our yeah, Twitters as well. That. So yeah. that will be a, hopefully a way to get um, some more people there. Because as you can see, it's a, a West Ham fan doing good things in the boxing world. Um, so once you've got the Southern Area belts, I assume you're going to try and move quite quickly onto Yeah, I mean, English it style. opens up... Getting that Southern Area title just gets you noticed more. Yeah. And it's going to put me in a position where you have a little bit more control over what's going on in your career. Mm. Um and I'd love that, yeah, to go on and I'd like to pick up the titles as I go along, Southern Area, English, and mm. we never know where we're going to go. I'm never going to sum a world beater because I've never ever said that and I'm, mm. I'm, I'm a realist. I'm not going to say, I'm gonna, oh yeah, I'm going to be the next world champion because that's probably never going to happen and it won't happen. But mm. I'll be realistic in the sense that I believe I can get to like a British level and mm. that's where I want to be. At the mm. end, that's where I'd like to say we got there, we, done, we got to British level and mm. that's, that's hopefully what we can get and, to. And that'll be an amazing journey. Yeah. I mean, if you think you started boxing, how old did you say? When you 24. Started? 24, yeah, and then, you know, 31, 32, yeah. you get there. So to, to be honest, yeah. I think when you know the backstory of yeah. you, Mark, a Southern area title would be incredible. Yeah. To be fair, listen, making my pro debut, that was the biggest thing at Well, yeah, Do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah of and course. To, for some Impressive of the same you a professional boxer, like, it was like, yeah, all right, I believe you, but it ain't never going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we got to that stage and now I sit there and think I'm 10 and I was a pro now we're looking at you're going to be fighting for Southern Area hopefully this year as a pro and then it just goes on and on and on so mm. I can't write off anything because I never no, ever thought no. I'd get to where I am now there'll be a lot of work afterwards like, yeah. it sounds funny but when your career does come to an end as a boxer to go and give yeah. talks about this yeah. whole you know motivational losing weight you can yep. do it there's a lot 
because listening to you as a as a fat lad myself, <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is quite it is quite inspiring. You're not on your own there, mate. Don't worry. Pardon, mate. You're not on your own there, mate. Don't worry. I think both of our chairs need extra support in the Phoenix yeah. studio these days. I, I don't think I need to lose eleven stone. Thankfully, I think well, I'm like, speak for yourself. Yeah, not, <laughs> I'm not far off. But, but um, yeah, but it is it is an inspiring story, and I think it would be good to get it out there when when Thank you've you got much. that time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you mentioned Lennox Lewis earlier on. You spoke about Mike Tyson, for example. Yep. You know, icons in the game uh, around a very exciting era for boxing yep. as well. Um, you know, I, I sort of look back as well. I know you're, you're talking about a specific division there, but even back to days of, you know, Eubank and Ben. And, yeah. and great, it was funny because it seemed to almost be... Prince the Seam. Yeah, yeah, Prince. I mean, Naz, yeah, uh, yeah. unbelievable. But it, it almost seems to be a kind of... Um, that era and this era with sort of a bit of a struggle in between for, for boxing I yeah, think yeah I maybe. think so I mean Sky like I think, obviously had a, a big part Sky to play in that yeah. massive mm. Matrim, what Matrim have created for yeah, boxing yeah, has been yeah. incredible and no one can ever knock that that's no. been incredible um, but yeah I think there, there probably was a stalemate sort of thing if you'd mm. like to so say like in the boxing era because you had that big the Lennox Lewis era where everything was going on then all right, you had your Ricky Atten era on his, but he was sort of on mm. his own wasn't he he was, he was. He, right, he, yeah. it was him everyone yeah. followed Ricky Atten that's right um and then you sort of go, uh, who else was mm. who else was we following? Mm. There weren't no one. No. And then now boxing is huge again, mm. isn't it? I mean, the AJ, Anthony Joshua, everyone's following Joshua, yeah. and everyone wants to be involved in that. Yeah. And I mean, the heavyweight division alone in itself is just it's, so it's massive. Yeah, it's and amazing. I, I mean, you're filling up football stadiums now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? On on, yeah. on quite a. Uh, what hour? I mean, ninety thousand people, like yeah. spectacular. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It just it's. It, it seems unreal, doesn't it, to, mm. for a boxing fight to be in front of It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I know years and years ago and you've had all these fights in the, you know, the Thriller Manila and yeah. the yeah. Rumble in the Jungle and things like that. There was hundreds of thousands of people there, but yeah. it just don't seem right now, does it? But now, it's... Yeah, and I've got, do you know what? I've got a lot of admiration and respect for, for Eddie Hearn and his dad. I mean, I, I get a lot of haters, especially yeah. Eddie. Um, yeah, I know he stands in the middle of the two fighters at the press conference when he probably shouldn't do, but do you know what? It's all about creating his own profile. I think he's a, he's a quite a likable man, actually, and I think what he's done for boxing, to, to, to take that baton from his dad, that the pressure he must have felt was oh, incredible but yeah. he's delivered on it yeah. I mean it's, boxing's exciting again even for the neutral 100%. he's pulled the neutral um, target audience it, in it, as well it's, it's an entertainment business as well yeah of course you know and that's what he's created he's created it that he's keeping people who ain't really interested in boxing mm -hmm. they're entertained though now aren't mm -hmm. they everyone's Abs interested like, like, spot on boxing now exactly. yeah mine does mine mine does. Yeah, and, and there's probably is a, and mm. there's a lot more female boxers now I mean yeah. obviously yeah. there's people breaking in all the time now of course like Kate Taylor yeah. um, and I would go on uh, Shannon uh, Courtney she's um, going to turn pro she oh, turns yeah, pro on the 23rd Twitter. of March on mm. the uh, on a big show there at the Copper Box mm. um, which is unbelievable I mean and it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and mm. I, that's all you can see you can only see the women boxing just getting bigger and better mm. yeah of course I, I just find boxing so exciting at the moment because I, I genuinely every week I check Sky and I hope yeah. there's something you hope there's a fight on yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's always now when there ain't a fight on on a save oh, yeah, yeah exactly no, but you're, wait, you're waiting for that Saturday night where you're sitting indoors and you're watching, uh, you're watching the boxing it's not a well, you were sitting there watching the yeah, ball. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Which is great. It's I, great I think for I everything. actually watch probably as much boxing now as I did football. And if I you think because there's so much on now. Yeah. yeah, You know what I mean? It's and I think you've now. got all these promoters who are obviously battling each other mm. to put the best shows on. Mm. Yeah. And 
That's, it's good for everyone, though, because, yeah. listen, that means there's always a deal out there, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> mate. We've talked about, I know, you know you're a realist, you're a realist with your career and stuff, but we talked about, like, selling out stadiums and stuff. Yep. Tony Bellew, obviously, yep. selling out Goodison Park when yep. he was fighting. Um, what's the Leeds? No, the, um, Josh Warrington. That's it, yep. yeah. Sold out Ellen, Ellen Road. So I guess the ultimate dream would be <laughs> the ultimate. That would be, be incredible. Stadium. I mean, it would have loved to have been Upton Park. That would yeah. have been great to be out of the box. Yeah. There would have been brilliant. Kevin yeah. Mitchell did, didn't he? Yeah. It would have been brilliant. But yeah, if there was ever an opportunity to box at a London Stadium, I mean, yeah. that would be that, that would be a dream come true. Yeah. To think you could have sixty thousand West Ham yeah. fans singing your name while you're there, that'd be that great. Would be amazing, yeah. wouldn't it? Just to be a part of that. Yeah, I mean, stuff I, went, dreams, I yeah. went to Upton Park. I saw Kevin Mitchell. But I also went when um, David Hay, Fortuna. I mean, that was amazing, and they weren't. West Ham no, people, right, yeah. so it would be something yeah. special. Definitely, I mean, to be a, an Everton fan at that belly, belly oh, would have been fight incredible. Would have been amazing, hundred percent. So you um, you also famously donate twenty five percent of your purse to Isla Clayton. Twenty twenty percent. Apologies, yeah, yeah, uh, no. that, that was X's mistake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> unless he's trying to squeeze some yeah. more, I don't know. Yeah, um, but but twenty percent, incredible. Something that you don't have to do, but no. you do it. I know that Isla's family is incredibly uh, grateful for yeah. the fact that you do that. Um, tell us a little bit more about the motivation and, and why, like so many others, you bought into Isla's story and wanted to contribute. I, Firstly, I see it all on um, just on social media, obviously Facebook, and it was the West Ham connection. I think that was the big thing. Obviously, going over West Ham week in, week out, and then see the connection. And I think having two little girls myself, you just see it as a different. I think once mm. you've got kids, it's a little bit different. It resonates, you would yeah. agree. I think mm. that you see things differently, and you just and I just thought. I always wanted to do something for charity and I didn't know really how I was going to do it. And obviously I'm an ambassador to the DT38, which is obviously Dylan's yes, you are. thing. you are. So that was always great to be. But this just sort of come up and I just thought, there's got to be something I can do to help. Mm. Not that, I, like I say, I'm not one of them fighters who are earning thousands, thousands, thousands. I'm not. I'm earning, you know, a nice amount of money, but it's not massive. And I give her 20% of it. So for me, it's not a lot. I know a family, they, they tell me all the time, you shouldn't say that because it's brilliant what I'm giving her. And hopefully... It's great it is, and hopefully one day it's going to help them. But it was just a story that, and I've met her a few times, Isla. She's just an incredible little girl, an yeah. incredible little girl. She's, um, you would never, ever believe she's fighting what she's fighting. No. It's just, you just wouldn't believe it. She's an incredible little girl. Her mum, Nicola, her dad, Michael, they're unbelievable people. And if you want to see strength in people, that's, that's two people there that's just incredible, mm. unbelievable. I totally agree with you. I mean, we, I think every West Ham fan's been inspired by her courage and her bravery. Yeah. And uh, do you know last year when things weren't great off the pitch for West Ham and yeah. stuff, the the whole um, movement behind supporting yeah. Ida, I think really brought fans close yeah, together. I think, yeah, I agree. What yeah. she's done, yeah. like, without necessarily realising yeah. what yeah. she's she, done. Uh, it's amazing. She, you know, she can look back one day and, and yeah. be like, wow, all this was for me, you know, which <laughs> exactly. is great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 especially if you sell out at the London yeah. Stadium with yeah. like 60,000 wow. people. Great, that 20% would be nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that would be great. But, Not um, forgetting me and X's 5% yeah. as well. She's an incredible little girl and like I say, hopefully the news is always going to be good at the end that's what we want that's what we want all she does seem like she's made a titanium neck girl doesn't she unbelievable yeah, it's, it's incredible like I say when I've been to their house I've seen them before obviously they moved out to Spain for her treatment you just wouldn't believe there's no wrong with her she's nah. unbelievable she's so strong Amazing. always laughing always happy and you would think I mean us we get a cold us adults don't we and we're yeah. all laying around in bed oh, yeah, don't be just. On the, yeah. she just didn't you know she don't don't let it phase her and it's great and the strength that our little girl's got is incredible and 
there's something I'd definitely take to the ring with me, that's for sure. Mm. She's an incredible little girl. Yeah, yeah God bless you for that, mate. Yeah, that's that, really that's good. brilliant, mate. And also, um, she's got a charity football match coming up in May. Um, I yep. forget the date, but it's the start the 11th, of May. It? Is it the 11th that's of right. May? Yep. You're right, the 11th of May. And um, Dave and I are honoured to be commentating at it, but you're going... We need to get there. a sheepskin coat, don't we? Yeah, exactly, we do. I don't know who's going to be the, the co-commentator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be fair, people hate my voice, so it's probably best that you're, you're the main yeah, guy. You uh, give me the facts and statistics. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> I'll just be the inside info, as always. Uh, yeah, uh, but you're going one step further than us and you're actually playing in, yes, the, in the game yep, yep. so um, talk to us as Mark Little the footballer what's your position um, <sighs> well I don't really I ain't really got a position but um, I played in the last one and yeah. uh, I played centre midfield in the last one so uh I suppose as I'm a little bit fitter, they probably make me out to be the box to box midfielder. So I'll just be yeah. running around for them, really. <laughs> but um, yeah, a massive honour to be out there be playing yeah. something like that. I mean, when I first got asked in the the first game. I always thought I'd be in the Team Isla team, you know, sort of thing, because I was sort of doing the same for Isla. And they was like, no, you're on a celebrity. So I'm like, I'm a celebrity. I'm not a celebrity, am I? But um, hard work gets you there and it's been great. And yeah. uh, yes, it's an honour to play for it, really. It's, it's a real, it's, it's, it's a brilliant day out and it will be another brilliant day out and all the money be raised to help Isla get to where she needs to be. So it'd be That's great. That's right. And I mean, it's such going to be such a great day because the, the celebrity team is full of, you know, yep. people we all know, the West Ham team's yep. players that we all know. I think, there's three boxers there's you uh, Kevin Mitchell and, and Charlie Duffield Charlie, that's yep, right yep. so yeah you got boxing well represented as well and I, I can't wait for it I think it's going to be such a special occasion it's the day before the Watford game as well I think last game of the season isn't it um, yeah, it's something, yeah I think it is yeah, yeah so it's going to be a great weekend of um, football and, yep. and West Ham and what a great cause you know everyone I'm sure knows about Isla, you know, where to donate and so on, but make sure you check, you know, my page, Mark's page, Baz's page. It's, it's all over the place. And she is a, an incredible girl that deserves all the support that we can give. I think mm. yeah. any last message to uh, fans out there that support you or, or fans that want to get involved in supporting you? I'd say to the fans who have been supporting me, it's a massive, massive thanks. Um, because, the level of boxing that I'm at, it's about selling tickets and you need people to come to your fights. Um, hopefully that just gets bigger and bigger and the fights are only going to get bigger and better. Um, so yeah, just keep coming out to support me and any new ones who want to get involved, like I say, follow all my social media. Um, yeah, come out and support. It's, it's, and it's a great time. And it's at Mark Little 2. Yeah, on Twitter. Yeah, at Mark Little 2 on Twitter. Um, Mark Little Pro Boxer on Instagram and Mark Adam Little on Facebook. Superb. Well, Mark Little, thank you. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, yeah, mate. Uh, Thanks for your time. And, and, and the listeners have to get behind you because you're an exciting fighter, a West Ham yeah. boy, and without question, a top top fella. Yeah. Um, mm. So thanks for coming in, mate, and we thank wish you, you all much. the best luck for the future. Thank you very much. Top man. Cheers. Phoenix FM. We want to dedicate this podcast to a very special lady by the name of Mabel Arnold, a lifelong West Ham fan who sadly passed away at the weekend at the incredible age of 102. On behalf of everyone connected to West Ham, God bless her and she will be forever remembered. And this song is for you. Like 
Oh, oh, oh. 